From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break. The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap. You could build yourself a homemade scratching machine. Or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer. Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery, a little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right. And we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is writer, director, producer, and podcaster Joe Russo. And no, not the one from Marvel. 
the other Joe Russo, Horrors Joe Russo, the best Joe Russo. Welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. I love that introduction. (laughs) I had to do it. I had to do it, as they say. No, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I just just to get it out of the way, Dread Central wrote a, a lovely article the other day about one of my recent movies, and uh, boy, boy, did I enjoy how much they they played with the Joe Russo confusion and uh, in in my favor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Hell> yeah, <laughs> well, and Dread Central connected to Joe Russo because he is yes. a producer slash. Kind of co-host the Postmortem with Mick Garris podcast. And yeah. I I actually don't know if I know the full story of how you met Mick and like how you guys got together. Oh, yeah. I can tell that story. That's a good story. Uh, so I used to be a development executive. Oh, did okay. you really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, so when I was a development executive uh, at, a, at a small production company called Level One Entertainment, Mick came in for a meeting uh, and in the meeting, he pitched us a spiritual successor for uh, Masters of Horror uh, called Nightmare Cinema. Yeah. And I was like, I love Masters of Horror. I love horror anthologies. I want to do this. Uh, what do I need to do to do this? Um, and, you know, we we had a whole kind of early life where we took it out as a TV series with, with my production company attached. It didn't happen in that iteration but when I left being a development exec to go off on my own and explore uh, writing and directing and producing independently, uh, I took that project with me um, and we found some money for the script. Uh, and then once we had the script, we found money for the movie. Uh, and while we were in pre-production for the movie, I went to a friend's housewarming party. And he happened to, or they had a friend there who happened to work for a company called Podcast One. And they were like, yeah, you know, if you ever have any ideas for podcasts, let us know. And, you know, I I was familiar with Mick Garris's uh, background, not just as a filmmaker, but before that he had done, you know, all these interviews for the Z channel. He had done a lot of uh, classic behind the scenes segments for things like, gremlins and goonies and the thing mm-hmm. and uh and and then most recently like in the early 2010s he did a uh, a tv version of postmortem uh and all that stuff's available on his website mickgarrisinterviews.com if you, <laughs> you want to go check it out and plug someone we'll else put it in the description of the podcast hey, there you will. i love that uh and you know so i basically was like well there's this guy i'm doing this movie with and he's a great interviewer I think he'd be really good at podcasting and literally within two weeks of that conversation, we had sold the show and, uh, and, and we were like within three months we were up and running. Dang. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. And then, and then about two years into the show, uh, when we were with Fangoria, uh, uh, (laughs) Fangoria, (laughs) they made the suggestion that we start doing interstitial episodes outside of just Mick interviewing people. Um, and then we do Ask Mick Anything, and then that's how I became the uh, pseudo co-host uh, of the show, which has been fun because we've been doing that that for like five years now, which is which is crazy. And the I show, know. The show's been on. We're in our seventh season. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, and we just won uh, Podcast of the Year at the the Rondo Awards, which is cool. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> so. 
That's awesome. And how you got to meet Megan, it sounds like he, that is very also much like mixed in with how you became a filmmaker or like what on your own to be a filmmaker. So like what, what kind of inspired you to say, I'm going to go off on my own and do that? Cause that's like a terrifying thing, I feel like. And so I'm curious what that inspiration point was for you. Well, so I, uh, I moved out to Los Angeles, uh, in 2010 after a, you know, very short career in Arizona doing some production work. Um, you know, I went okay. to, I went to Arizona State, got my film degree there. Um, while I was finishing up there, worked on a bunch of different shows and movies that were coming through town because there was still a tax incentive. And then in 2010, mm. the uh, Republican Congress brilliantly got rid of the tax incentive and all of the production work dried up. Uh, so. Oh, I said to my wife, I was like, I need to go to Los Angeles if I'm going to have a career, you know, and she said, that's fine. But until you find something stable, you're coming home every week. So I started driving back and forth between oh, LA wow. and Phoenix every week. Wait, uh, yeah. what? How yeah. long is that drive? It's like six and a half hours if there's no traffic. <laughs> so it was more like coming home on a Friday night. It would be anywhere from like eight to 10 hours. She loved it because when I would roll in the Phoenix, I'd, I'd come in just in time to pick her up from the bar. Uh, so, so <laughs> she loved it. It was great for her. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. I was her sober ride home before there was Uber. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so, so when I got that job at level one entertainment, it was at, uh, as the CEO's assistant. Uh, and then I worked my way oh. up to the Bellman exec. So, Basically, it was like, you know, I didn't come to L.A. with any real connections. I didn't know anyone. My parents didn't know anyone. Like, I, you know, I come from, like, a pretty middle-class family. So, like, it was like I had the money that I saved in my bank account, and I knew no one, and I came out here and figured it out. And, uh, you know, basically, that was the first job I could get my hands on, you know? And so it was it wasn't so much that, like, uh, when I left that job that I, I decided to become a filmmaker was I was a filmmaker who took a pivot down the road in development for five years uh, so that I could get my foothold in, in the business. Hell yeah. Wow. Well, it must have been so helpful in develop- being in development than becoming a filmmaker. Like, I know how all of this works and can yeah. use that so much to your advantage. Yeah. And I think, I mean, That's you know, I, I don't, I don't know if this is confidential or not, but like you and I have been talking about a project for a few months and like, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I use my development skills to work with, with a writer that we both like on it. And I think this script came in pretty nicely, you know? So like, I, I definitely learned a lot of chops at that job that have helped me in my producing side of things and also in my directing side of things. And then I think just as a writer, being very aware of what people like and don't like and how things need to read and flow. Like just I was reading so many scripts. Like Oh yeah. It's it's just the best way to get better at writing is to see what you think and like what works on the page. Uh, so, so it was, it was a great like period of my early career just cause it, it, it allowed me to understand the film industry from, you know, one side of the table and, and then quietly at night I was writing away and, and eventually, you know, that, that started to carry 
my career forward. So you'd, you'd mentioned um, kind of like how you, you and, and Mick were shopping around uh, Nightmare Cinema as like a sure. TV series originally. And then eventually, yeah. in 2018, it actually got made into a movie, which is amazing. Uh, yeah. So how, how did that feel like? Because it feels almost like a full circle moment. Yeah, it was it, – the, the TV element was, was cool because, you know, we basically were just trying to shop Masters of Horror 2.0. We had an mm-hmm. amazing list of uh, directors that, that we basically had LOIs from. Letter of Intense saying, like, we, we want to oh, do wow. the show. Uh, and, like, the, the list of, of filmmakers that had said yes was, was insane. Uh, and we met with all sorts of people around town, but the challenge with anthology historically is, um, you know, people don't think it makes money. Uh, so they, they are very afraid of doing it. And I think when they saw the list of filmmakers we had access to the fear was okay like we love a lot of these names when we go to make the show how many of them are actually going to be available and are mm. we going to end up with some of the names we're less excited about on this list uh and so there was like a real like everyone was really excited about the prospect of it but like we couldn't get anyone to really jump over the threshold um and that's when you know when i when i left and i wanted to kind of reboot it and, and re, retool it, uh, the thought was, well, if we do it as, you know, five shorts with five filmmakers, um, maybe that that sh- that could serve as a proof of concept to be like, yes, we can get the directors that we like uh, and we can, you know. And so so that was kind of how, like, it shaped from TV to, to film. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when I was on set, you know, the first day and I saw the production trucks and all the cars and stuff like that was a real powerful moment because it was like wow it went from literally a conversation i had with mick in a conference room to like something that was employing hundreds of people it was it was it was pretty special uh my favorite short from that by the way is the thing in the woods by alejandro (laughs) that is my favorite that one when i first i remember sitting down i got a screener of it and i was sitting down to watch and i was like this is fucking nuts i love it so much yeah yeah it honestly, it was like the perfect way to kick off the movie. It really was. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 so much fun, uh, and it was really fun making that short too. It was like, it was like being at summer camp for a week. Yeah, um, I bet. Like it really was. Like we were out in the woods, uh, at this like this this place that like rents them. It's like basically like a camp lodge that they lend out for shooting, and but the oh. cell cell phone signal doesn't work there. There's no cell phone signal, so. We literally were like forced to talk to each other, uh, which was, <laughs> you know, it's like normally when you go on a movie set, you see like everyone's on their iPhone on and the they're just swiping and yep. scrolling and emailing and texting. And but no, like none of that was happening. It was like, oh, like we're we're actually going to like, you know, be out here and be present with each other. It was it was it was kind of nice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's amazing. It also sounds like yeah. the start of a horror movie. <laughs> a little yeah, bit, yeah, it does also sound a little bit like the start of a horror movie. <laughs> One other thing that's kind of interesting about that short, which which is kind of fun if you go watch it again, uh, is in the actual cabin, we weren't allowed to get any blood in it. So, Ooh. like, so so you, if you go back and you look, like, everything is very carefully staged so that there's no blood. And then, oh, like, wow. whatever blood elements you are seeing are actually things that we, assets we shot later and were, like, VFXed in. It's pretty wild. So... It was it was a, it was a, it was a tough oh one. Oh my god! Really 
Yeah. The creativity of indie of, of indie filmmaking right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> but you were talking about like employing hundreds of people and like being on a film set that kind yeah. of leads to talking about something that you've been working on a lot recently, which is you are a strike leader or a strike captain for the strike. WGA strike, right? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm a strike captain. Uh, strike captain. Yes. That is the, that is the term. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a, a member of the writers guild of America. And uh, as we record this, we are in our, fifth week of uh, a strike against the AMPTP, which is the uh, association that represents all of the major studios and producers in town. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting, uh, it's been an interesting month. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, how's it yeah. going? <laughs> what's, what's it like? Yeah. I just like how I see all the pictures and all the amazing signs, but like, yeah. what has that experience been like? this whole thing well the signs have been kind of fun uh people seem to be enjoying the ones that i'm i'm putting out into the world which is which I is saw the ones today with the umbrella corp and <laughs> i love that i, I love I, your star shirt <laughs> thanks man I'm, I'm wearing literally wearing a stars raccoon city shirt it was it was sure. uh, Hell yeah it was a a i couldn't go to the lot they were doing this at because you know i'm as as a captain i'm associated specifically with the uh, CBS Television City lot uh, by the Grove in LA. Oh, okay. So they were doing, I think, at Universal, but they were doing like a video game day. So it was like come dresses like a video game character and whatnot. And so I, you know, I had this shirt and I thought it would be funny. Uh, <laughs> since Umbrella is an evil corporation, and uh, sure are. There are definitely some evil corporations uh, that we're striking right now. So huh. yeah, <laughs> huh? Huh? Uh, <laughs> So yeah, it's it's been uh, no, but it's it's been it's been fun. It's I've I've kind of described it to people as uh, uh, weirdly. I'm going to circle back to this, but like shitty summer camp. <laughs> yeah, it's you know we're 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 outside. We're in the sun. We're all wearing the same shirts. We're meeting new people. We're doing some chanting. You know. <laughs> We're we're doing some yeah. arts and crafts, making the signs. We're getting yeah. light exercise. It's it's uh, <laughs> you know it's it's shitty summer camp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow, it really is shitty summer camp, huh? It's shitty summer camp. But I will tell you, I've gotten to meet some amazing writers uh, over the last few weeks, and being a regular at the lot allows them to be like. Oh, I've seen that guy a couple times. Like he's he's a lead, you know he's a leader here. Like I should talk to him. Uh, so like I feel like that gives me like an air of I don't know consistency with the membership. So like yeah yeah, and and it makes it just easier to strike up a conversation. So it's been good. I met I met I met, I've made friends. I'm making friends. Uh, <laughs> it is I mean, like not the be camp. not the best reason to make friends, <laughs> but it's camp. awesome. Like, literally, we had a long weekend, and one of the friends I made on the line. He and I were like, we didn't get to talk a lot this weekend. We should, or this week, we should hang no. out this weekend. And so my wife and I hung out with them over the weekend, even though I see these people every day. Uh <laughs> that's amazing. But that's so nice. It's like yeah. making friends, but also you're standing up against a terrible, well, not just a terrible, many terrible corporations. And like, yeah. And are you involved at all, like with negotiations? Like, how are you? In, like, are you? No, 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 no. I'm not on the negotiating committee. Um. So, cool. so basically, the way it works is, uh, 
you know, all of all of our leadership in the guild are writers. Uh, we vote them into yeah. power. And there is a whole negotiating committee and board members that are essentially handling the negotiations with the AMPTP. Yeah. But we aren't currently negotiating with them right now. Or at least we're not talking to them right now. You could argue that we are negotiating by being on strike and picketing. Uh, and yeah. that is what we're doing. We're withholding our services and that's how we're negotiating right now. Right. So we've been causing them a lot of trouble over the last few weeks. We've been uh, able to to shut down a lot of productions, a lot of film and TV productions, which is yeah. you know costing them hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. We've we've been able to rally public support and and get you know people like David Zasloff booed at commencement speeches and <laughs> hell yeah you know so it's it's been it's it feels like we're winning the PR fight. Uh, it feels like. We're actually really financially causing them a lot of harm this time because, you know, in 2007, which I, I wasn't out here for that strike, but my understanding is we were not able to shut down productions that time. Uh, this oh, time we are. Okay. So we're, we're actively, you know, hurting their bottom line. Uh, so it's, it's, it's different this time. You know, it's, it's a real oh. different, uh, just, just the battlefield feels different. Um, you know, and then I've learned just a lot about the politics of picketing, like what we can do and what we can't do. Oh. That's, well, that's the thing to me. That's wild. Like the different, like such like minute rules and everything. Like yeah, that's there's a lot. Of, there's a there's lot. A of lot. Rules. Yeah, no, like like we have to keep our uh, chanting and music playing and such at like a certain decibel volume, or they can like get us in trouble. You know, wow. um, we have to follow traffic laws. So like you know, if the, if the light changes. You know, we have to stop uh, marching and, and let cars pass through. Like, and then there's this whole the the, the big the big you know to do is uh, the studios can have this thing called a neutral gate. I'm doing air quotes over neutral gate. Uh, and and the thing with neutral gates, sorry, this is so boring. Probably for your no, I, it's fast. No, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm I realize so like like this is like this is like what excites me now. <laughs> talking about neutral gate and labor laws uh it's like this weird carve out in, in labor laws that studios can use to basically have a gate that they're like okay this is for like water bottle deliveries and food deliveries and ups uh, okay. the problem okay. is uh we know that they're using it for production purposes so what we've been doing is we station writers outside of these neutral gates and we're literally – I have, like, so many photos of trucks on my phone right now that I need to dump into their Dropbox. But, like, we take photos of the trucks as they go in and out of the, the studio and we give it to the Writers Guild legal department. And uh, if we can prove that the gate is being used for production purposes, then it becomes tainted and we can picket it. Oh. So the, the exciting news – It's so sick. It reminds me a little bit of like medieval times when like, you know, you'd have a castle surrounded and yeah. we'll let humanitarian aid in, but that's all they're letting in. That's, that's why it's it like, like. It's like weirdly like excites me. So I got out of a, 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 a movie screening for an upcoming postmortem episode uh, and I got a text from our, our gate captain uh, or, or sorry, our gate coordinator. I'm the assistant gate coordinator. And he said, we broke it. We broke one of the neutral gates. And it was like the most exciting text message. It's like Game of, it's like Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. We and broke the neutral people, gate. They were, yeah, they were, they were so pissed when we showed up with our picket signs to the neutral gate. Like, like they, uh, 
Yeah. So, but, but but what we did to to break the gate was we surprised them. We sent writers <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning to observe the neutral gate, and we caught all these people on the Young and the Restless uh, soap <laughs> opera coming in and out of the gate. No, uh, and that was it. That was the that was. The <laughs> and they were that like, is amazing. They were like, You're That's... not supposed to be here, and we're like, we we're neutral observers. We can be here whenever we want. <laughs> That's fucking incredible. Wait, this is the see, this is badass. Like that is some <laughs> badass behavior. Like figuring out what time to go and catching them. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, terrible that this has to be done. And it's such a right. and it's like absolutely horrendous. But I like yeah. also like see how hard these writers are fighting to get just just like but also see how hard the studios are fighting to not pay people like yeah. proper yeah. wages. Like, yeah. is it Seriously. what? It's just baffling. They've lost more money collectively in the four weeks of the strike than it would have taken to pay us. Of course. So it's like, it's, it's just so, they're so obsessed with getting, giving us the worst deal they possibly can that they'll literally just hemorrhage money to do it. It's, it's, disturbing but you know look we're fighting like the biggest most powerful companies in the world and right now we're winning so you know we're gonna take them fucking down man you know yeah (laughs) yeah so so for people that either aren't in like la or the places where this is happening or aren't part of the wga what what can like the rest of us do to help yeah no i mean look uh obviously just like if you're on social media, like tweeting at the studios, you know, posting in support of the the writers, telling them you want them to make us a fair deal. Obviously that helps a lot. You know, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm going to boycott this or that, or that, that doesn't necessarily like have a huge effect unless it's like a mass boycott and like organizing that against any one of these services is, is going to be really challenging. We're already, we're already cut. We've cut off, their supply of future scripts and that in the long run it might take a few weeks but it will have a a greater effect a greater impact but there are there are a lot of things that people are doing like uh one woman on twitter has set up a fund where people can put money in and uh she's buying different writers pizza every day you know like so you can donate that way there's 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 uh the wga has a website if you just google like wga strike org It'll come up and on there you can make, there's like places you can make donations to different funds and things like that. That's something you can do. Um, you know, but like and anything, anything helps, you know, uh, like, and even if it's just, and if you are local, if you just want to come and pick up a picket sign and, and walk with us, you're welcome to too, you know? Um, so it's, it's, uh, but it, it's been really, you know, even, even down to just honking your horn makes a big difference, you know, just knowing that we're, we're seen and heard, uh, just the morale up. Oh yeah. And yeah. listeners, we'll put all of these resources in the show notes so you can see all that stuff and see how you can support because this is important. Yeah. Yeah. We want, we want, we want more content. Uh, <laughs> we do. Yeah. We love, we love, con- I personally, remember. I love content, so. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My biggest thing is I remember back when when this happened the first well not it's not the first time but right. when this happened back when was it twenty the first time we were, when we were cognizant Seven? of it yes yeah two thousand seven yeah and ah. and I just remember because uh, Thirty Rock had less episodes that <laughs> that's that season because <laughs> of the 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 strike Thirty Rock yeah. always comes up with me it's like a 
personality for me. Almost. It's a great, it's but yeah, a so show. I, yeah, it is a great show. And I just, I just remember season two is always a lot shorter than the rest because of what was going on at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the big one for me was, was entourage. I remember that got super cut short. Uh, so yeah, yeah I mean, and that's going to, unfortunately that's going to happen again. Like they're holding right. stranger things back. Until this oh, is over. Right. Like, yeah, they are. It's like the kids are going to be like 45 by the time the show ends. Like, <laughs> I know. Uh, it's going to be worse than like, you know, the, the Scream era high school kids, you know? Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's so bad. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, my, look, I think, but these are the things that we have to do to kind of force them back to the table. Like eventually, yeah. Netflix shareholders are going to be like, what the fuck? Like that's our that's our cash cow. Yep. That's how we fight. That's how we you know if we can withhold these things, it sucks and it sucks for for the public to have to to have these things withheld. But that's what that's where the public needs to like show their support is be like exactly. Yeah, like I want my Stranger Things, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I want my Stranger Things. We want our Stranger Things. <laughs> um. This is like kind of we're changing the subject from the strike to kind of back to your own personal. It's like not a very easy transition, but I I also, I no. want to hear like your horror history, Joe. Like, how did you get yeah. introduced to horror and the genre? Weirdly, um, through a lot of just gateway horror when I was a kid. Okay, okay. So so my parents were very big into the holiday of Halloween. Okay, and uh, before I was born, actually, they used to like throw a haunted house uh they'd like build one for halloween you know like go go all oh, in so cool. oh cool they stopped doing it because someone in the neighborhood accused them of putting a razor blade in their candy oh, so like the police sake. showed up <laughs> no! and was thing. yeah was the whole that whole like 80s urban legend oh yeah i remember that uh-huh and so so they stopped but you know like my dad had all these like great masks and things like left over from it so like we had all these wonderful decorations so um it was instilled in me really like at a young age like I, you know my favorite movie of all time is ghostbusters so like i fell in love with it through that like the haunted mansion at, at disney world uh the adventures of ichabod crane like i grew up you know in connecticut just outside of new york so like we, we went to sleepy hollow when i was a kid so like all of these things kind of, uh, you know, just, just built up with like this general interest in the space. But, but it wasn't really until I started going to a friend's house who was allowed to watch anything he wanted. Uh, and we'll Whoa, talk about God them. bless those people. Oh, yeah, God bless them. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's where I started seeing R-rated movies. And going yeah. like, oh, wow, like there's a lot more to this than, you know, Hocus Pocus and Ghostbusters. You know what I mean? Or, or <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always it's always fun when you're a kid and, you, and you, you see that threshold, like you're used to growing up with one thing and then you, you realize that there's this whole other world out yeah. there. And it's like, I want to see that. But it's also horrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. And, and so so basically from there, it was like once I got exposed to that stuff and, and then like once I was like officially allowed to start watching R-rated content, it was like horror grew up with me, you know, and, yeah. and I happened to come of age, uh, you know, like my teenage years were very much the scream years, you know, yep. uh, oh, so yeah, like yeah. There was a great horror renaissance happening, um, you know, scream had so many great references to movies it was basically like 
I mean, it was like a Rosetta Stone to like going back and finding cool movies, you know, like, oh, what's the movie where uh, E.T.'s mom and the, you know, and the dog, right? Or, 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 or no, the yep. werewolf, the howling, like, right? Like or both the of howling. them, Cujo, right? So it's, <laughs> yeah, Cujo too. You know, it's like suddenly you like you found both of those titles, right? Then thank you, Scream, right? So, <laughs> uh, so, so Scream was like this weird Rosetta Stone for me to like go back and find all these horror movies that I had. Uh, not had the chance to see as I became more interested in the genre and just found more and more and more, you know, to consume. It was, I, I got a job at Hollywood video. <laughs> I nice. worked, with, I worked at a video store. I might be like the last generation, uh, to, to do that. That's a little unfortunate, actually. I, I know. And it does feel like, I, it's like I a miss. Lost thing. Yeah. No, I do miss. I don't get nostalgic about a lot, but I do miss video stores. There's something primal about going in there, just looking at whatever's here and yeah. you have, and you're picking some movies. Well, and the problem too is eventually the aisle ends, right? The problem with like right. Netflix and Hulu is you just can keep swiping forever. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm literally yes. until you die. Uh, you can keep swiping. And, yes. and but like at least like the video store had a finite amount of space. They sure did. But yeah, my, my, my first year in college uh, or second year in college when I, I was doing the video store thing, um, I was in a long distance relationship with, with my ex. And so I had plenty of time on my hands. So I would just take mm. home the three movie free movies I could uh, rent from Hollywood video and I'd, I'd watch them and bring them back. And I just like mainlined horror movies at that point. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> I have to ask, cause we've had a couple people on the show that have, have worked at, at a, a Hollywood video. Did you have to wear a suit? Uh, it wasn't a suit. It was like a purple button up shirt. It was hideous. Uh, and black and okay. black pants. It was just – it was a horrible outfit. I'm starting to think that our franchise owners were the only ones that did this because you would walk into Hollywood Video and everyone was wearing basically almost like a, a suit, a, a complete suit oh, wow. working there. Oh, my God. I, so I always have to ask because I'm, I'm curious because it, it was always weird when I would walk in there and everyone would be like I so mean, stuffily it's dressed. possible that it was an earlier iteration thing. I mean I probably worked in Hollywood Video around I want to say like 04 to 06. So like okay. it's it's I don't I don't know if it, like before that that was that was maybe the requirement or not but uh because uh, we didn't have any in my home we had a, we had a mom and I had a mom and pop shop in my hometown so like it wasn't it wasn't uh uh but yeah no it was it was interesting we could only watch um during the day we could only put on PG movies <laughs> and Napoleon Dynamite had come out and it was like it was PG. It's a PG movie. Oh, it and is. So we just played that movie on loop for like a year. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't watch it for a really long time because, like, I, I look. I love that movie. I saw it four times in the theater. But like, when you watch it that many times while working, it's like you just can't. You can't do it for a long time. So I, had a, I had a long break, but when I returned to it during the pandemic, I was like. Oh, this movie still fucking rocks. Uh. God, I haven't watched that movie in so long, but I love that movie. That movie is ridiculous. I've never seen it. You've never, never seen a Blue Dynamite? Oh my god. It's it's super fun. It's so the yeah, best more more things this. that your audience wants to hear about Napoleon Dynamite and uh, <laughs> Well that's what and, I want to hear about. And, and, so and like uh, No, I'll tell you I'll tell you one one last Hollywood video story if you want to hear. You wanna hear about how I quit? I would <laughs> yes, love to hear about please. how you quit. All right, it's a good story. So, Hell uh, yeah. so it was a Saturday night shift, which we were right by Arizona State. So it was like we were like the busiest Hollywood video in the area, you know. Okay. And we had just gotten this like new manager who had started like I don't know a month before, 
at the time I was writing movie reviews for a website I had, had started with some friends and a, a college magazine, um, which actually allowed us to become accredited film critics, which is like a whole other side part of my history. Wow. Uh, and yeah, I know. Surprise. Uh, <laughs> Mary Beth is like, wait, what? <laughs> You're a good um, writer, but I mean, now it makes, it's all making sense yeah, it makes, now. That's, that's why all my puns on social media are, are, are pretty, pretty spot on. Uh, no, I went to, I got my other degrees, my other degrees in journalism and I got a degree in media, media analysis and criticism. Uh, so oh, like, hell yeah. there, was, okay. there was no film program when I got to ASU. So that was my, my, my way in anyway uh we were we we had flyers that we would put out at hollywood video for the website and our previous manager had like no issue with it he loved it he thought it was like super fun that like we were connecting with our base in that way and that they were reading our reviews and this new manager did not like it and uh, i had literally like spent i don't know fifty dollars printing out like a bunch of color flyers and when i came in for my shift that day i noticed that they weren't on the counter uh, and I was like, oh, where did the, the flyers go? And he's like, oh, I threw them out. And I was like, Oof. wait, wait, what? Like, like, I don't care that, you know, I don't care that you, you don't want them out, but just give them back to me. You threw them yeah. out. Right. I was like, that literally like costs like me pretty much the amount of money I'll make tonight to do that. And he was like, he kind of just like shrugged and was like, whatever. And it just my blood boiled. So I, uh, I took my 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 badge off, and I tossed it over at him, and I was like, "Good luck!" And I walked out the door. <laughs> That's amazing. And I basically, yeah. So I basically I fucked off out of there and uh, left him alone on a Saturday night. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Hell yes. So what you're saying is you have been sticking it to the man for a long time and will not be sticking. I'm just like so anti-authoritarian. No, I knew <laughs> I, 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 I had been uh, studying to get my um, my personal training certificate at that point. So like I knew Whoa. I had like a new job in, in the in the works, you know, so it, I was probably going to quit within like a month or two of that anyway, but it still felt real good. Uh, oh, I bet. <laughs> flick your name tag at him like that and just being able to be like, fuck you. That is like yeah. a movie moment. Not everyone gets yeah. a good moment kinda, like that. Yeah, it kind of felt like it. Like he, I literally tossed the thing at him and, and walked out. Flick the match, turn around, walk while it explodes. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, man. Well, speaking of walls of explosions. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's almost like you're a podcaster and then you know how to transition. <laughs> When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break, the playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap. You could build yourself a homemade scratching machine or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer. Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratches from the California lottery, a little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. Well then, Joe, what movie did you bring with you today for us to discuss? Well, I brought one of the movies that I saw at my friend Jared's house at a sleepover uh, that terrified me, that scarred me for life. Uh, it is a little movie 
called Predator. Predator! The original 1987 Predator. And in this film, a team of commandos on a mission in a Central American jungle find themselves hunted by an extraterrestrial warrior. They sure do. Okay. <laughs> so you kind of you kind of led a little bit with this that you saw it at, at a friend's house. So yes. can you tell us your horror story? How old were you? How did you see this? Give us give us all in all the details. Yeah. Well, so 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 some context. Uh, I saw this after Predator Two had to come out. Okay. And uh, okay. spoilers for those of you who have not seen Predator Two. Uh, but at the end of Predator Two, you see the alien skull in the Predator ship which gave birth to mm-hmm. the Alien vs. Predator sub-franchise. So it was a very, like, talked-about movie on the playground. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> all I knew going into seeing Predator was at Disney World, at the MGM Studios, there was a moment where the alien popped out in this, like, MGM Studio tour ride. All I knew was my father said Alien was one of the scariest movies he'd ever seen, right? So oh, I know Alien's okay. one of the scariest movies ever. And they're like, hey, do you want to watch the movie with the thing that can kill the alien? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And you're like... And I was like, yes, yes, I think. So you you hadn't seen Alien at this point. No, though, I, right? I, I, the, no the, I had not seen Alien series. at this point. So yeah. I was, but all I but all I knew was was this thing was stronger than the alien, and the alien mm-hmm. scared my father. Right. So like, this is my context going into this sleepover, this movie. Right. I was like primed for being terrified, and I think the movie like. Yes, as an adult, I recognize that it is a beloved action classic, but it is also, and we'll talk about this, it's a slasher movie. It's a slasher yeah. movie with, like, the most muscular final girl. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, is. my uh, God. Dutch is a final girl. Dutch I is love a final that. girl. Oh, my God. I want Dutch that on a shirt. Girl. I want that so badly on a shirt. Dutch is a the final girl uh arnold schwarzenegger is like one of the only actors i think that has played the slasher and a final girl true you know because like in terminator he's a slasher Slasher. right he is predator he's the final girl uh holy shit that is amazing yeah shit uh, so, so I, you know, when I, that's why I was like, I hope you guys will be okay with talking about this movie on your horror podcast. Cause I know it's sci-fi action, but I also think it is. Oh, a we, very don't, we don't, horror. we don't, we've talked about the craziest shit on this podcast. that is not yeah. even remotely horror. So do not worry. Someone brought, if these walls could talk, the, the story about abortion, like that was. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, for sure. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's a monster movie. It's a slasher movie. Like. That's and and but the other thing that I did not know going into seeing the movie, which I think like is why this movie scarred me so much, was one of the movies that my dad and I loved watching and I was addicted to at that point was the Rocky movies. Uh, uh, I love oh, I, I like okay. I, just, I adore the franchise, like I adore the character. I love Sylvester Stallone, like to the ends of the earth. My dad and I would even like get out like boxing gloves and like box after the movie and stuff. It was, it was super fun. It was a fun moment in our relationship. But <laughs> Carl Weathers, <laughs> you know, he's the guy who really gives Rocky like 
a run for his money. I mean, they beat each other within mm-hmm. an inch of their life. And if Rocky is this Superman who can get like beat up that bad, when I saw Carl Weathers get his arm cut off by the Predator, <laughs> that is the moment I was drunk for life. Uh- <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> That's... That's amazing. I, <laughs> so wait, how old were you when you saw this? Movie? I was probably eight to ten. I would say. Okay. I that, okay. That's all right. Me. Yeah. Wow. It was, but yeah. So you you gotta remember, like the context is this thing is scarier than the alien, which is the scariest right. thing to my dad. And Carl Weathers, who I love from the Rocky movies, gets butchered by this thing. <laughs> So yeah, I was I was it, this movie fucked me up. So like, how did you react? Because you're with your friends. So like, what is the reaction at this point? Like, do you show it? Do you bottle it up? Like, what happened? Oh, I think it was bottled up. I think I was I was just sitting there in raw terror, like waiting to figure out how the fuck they're going to kill this thing. Because if Apollo Creed can't stop the Apollo predator, Apollo Creed can't right? do it. What is going to stop the predator? Now, I I was I had very limited you know experience with Arnold Schwarzenegger at this point, uh, so so you know it was <laughs> you know because Arnold didn't really have like a Rocky family friendly franchise at that point, you know um, maybe Kindergarten Cop had come out. I don't know. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and like look at the IMDb thingamajig. So so to me, you know, I didn't know that he was going to be able to go toe to toe with this monster. Uh, right. And so when it happened, I was completely on edge and exhilarated by every second of the rest of that movie. And I think I probably just sat there completely like still and silent, like taking it all in, you know. But the next day we were in his backyard playing Predator and Commandos and like, you know, running around and, you know, taking turns shooting each other with fake guns. So it went very quickly from sheer terror to like adrenaline fueled bliss, right? Which is what I think why most people like horror movies to begin with. Like it's it's mm-hmm. the safety, it's the come down of getting off the crazy roller coaster. You survived and that high that you have can linger. Yeah. That movie gave that to me probably the first time that I can genuinely remember that happening. That is amazing. It, so what you're saying though also kind of reminds me of when I first saw this because um, it didn't, this one didn't scare me for some reason. Like uh, I, I had been like a huge um, Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. My, my dad loved fantasy. So I had seen Conan the Destroyer, Conan the De- yeah. Bar- Barbarian. I'd seen all of those. I had seen Commando. That's like such a, that's a different context. I feel like if I had that. Context, exactly. Going in, I might have had a different experience with the movie. Right. Whereas, like, I've never seen Rocky. So the fact that Apollo is in this didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. I just knew, oh, this is Arnold. He beats everyone up. He can, he's going to, he's going to win the day. Yeah. And I just remember you talk about playing afterwards. Uh, my parents hated this movie for me because oh. um, I lived, we were, I think we were I think we we're still in Alaska. I'm I'm fairly certain I was still living in Alaska when I saw this. I would have been probably nine or ten whenever it came out on, on VHS. And I remember making like 
building a trench in we, we lived up against like a forest and there was like this this hill and I built a trench and I filled it up with water and I made it muddy and then I dove in there and covered myself with mud <laughs> because I wouldn't be killed by the predator that way. And so I was dragging myself through my my, my parents' backyard just soaked in mud. Oh my god. And my parents were like, What the hell are you doing? <laughs> they were so angry at me. Wait, so it's like because you, of this so movie. So I was like, had, this is how So you had seen Predator and were doing that. It wasn't you had already seen it. Oh yeah, okay. no, I'd seen it. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember. I remember wow. watching this movie and thinking that it was kind of boring for the first half, and then really exciting for the last half. Was was uh, my memory of this film? Oh my and god! I, but like, I would, I would, I would drag myself through the mud and cover it on because oh, I now see if I was a parent and my child was running around covering himself in mud, I would hate this movie too. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> And, and the thing is, because like I would, I would always take lists. I would always make a list of things to, like this is how you kill Freddy. This is how you kill the werewolf. Yeah. I would have all these lists. And it's like if I go up against a predator, I need to be able to cover myself in mud. Yeah. And so yeah. in my mind, it just it made perfect sense. And so I would play around in the mud and just kick myself in it. How very, how very Monster Squad of you. Uh- <laughs> I know. Oh my god, that was a favorite movie of mine as a oh, kid. Yes. <laughs> Uh, there's, that's, that a, that's, that's another gateway horror movie for me too. Uh, yeah. No, I. I I yeah, I mean I think I think that was the thing. And then, you know, obviously came the day when I had to face watching Alien, which was also kind of like, oh my god, if Predator scared me this much, like what's Alien going to do to me? You know, like uh but but I crossed what did it that do to you? It, it 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 fucking terrified me. Uh no, but I love Alien, you know what I mean? Like and and I love Aliens, but yeah, I lived I lived in like perpetual fear uh during like the early 90s because of those movies and those filmmakers but like one thing that haunted me too and i was debating about whether or not you know to do predator or this but like uh another franchise that i also consider a slasher which i already tipped my hand is is terminator the first two terminator movies are absolutely slasher movies yes uh, they they're and, totally are mm-hmm. yeah the first one more so but like both of yeah. them and uh when i saw terminator 2 and you know the world was going to end on August twenty seventh, nineteen ninety seven. I lived in perpetual fear that the nuclear apocalypse was coming. Uh, so you know, I, I just had a lot of anxiety as a child. Apparently, uh, I was going to say so. Like, were you easily scared as a child? Like, were you scared a lot by these movies and like by horror movies or any kind of like that stuff in general? I still get scared by horror movies. You know, Hell like yeah, I, cool. I mean, I, I went and saw uh, the Boogeyman a couple weeks ago, and there's one jump scare in the movie that I literally leaped out of my fucking chair. Uh, and if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's it. You know, uh-huh. so I still I still get like a good horror movie if it it can still suck me in and scare the shit out of me. I I, but I think that's also why like I maybe you know well-versed at like crafting scares on the page and, and crafting them on the screen is I know what scares me. I have a good understanding of what scares me. And like, hopefully yeah. that translates to other people too. You know, I think it's like, even though I was maybe like, I, and, and maybe still am a scaredy cat, the fact that like I can face it, watch it, be scared, grow to love it. And then distill that emotion and put it out on the page or on the screen I think goes goes that's 
I think that's why it's served me well over the years. Oh yeah, yeah. I it's it's funny because like we we've talked about Alien on the podcast before because that was one of my scarred for life moments. But I had a very similar reaction to that movie as you had to to Predator. But like I I had no idea what an alien movie was. I had all I had seen was like the 1950s aliens that kind sure. of stuff. And so when you sit down and you watch this movie and there's no flying saucer and it has like <laughs> a thing bursting out someone's chest, it was like no, I'm done. I'm out of this. So if I if I had known that like predator because at that point i didn't if i had known that predator you know could kill one of these aliens i probably would have been in the same boat as you because the aliens terrified the shit out of me yeah yeah no i again i think it was just like the perfect confluence of of setup for me but i wouldn't trade it for the world because i I love the movie dearly like it is it's wild for me to think that john mctiernan made this before die hard because it seems like such a much more complicated movie to have made. Yeah. And and the fact that it is like before Die Hard and it's so so well done, like he really is like one of our our like underrated, underappreciated master filmmakers who we like it sucks that he's not making movies anymore. Like it's just it's really like we lost we lost a good one when he kind of backed away because of his his tax issues. Uh but um, you know, I, I no, I mean, I mean seriously though, I mean it's like the, like what a run, like I mean, yeah, Die Hard and Predator and Hunt for Red October, Hunt for Red October, and, yeah. yeah, God, uh, I don't think I realized action how hero. like his he really did have what an incredible like action run. Yeah, wow. no, he was he was like one of our best. Uh, so I say like like he's dead, he's not, but but. but <laughs> He's he's someone that I kind of wish was still making movies because he really honestly like with Predator and, and Die Hard he really like set like templates uh, for what what those you know future action movies and, and sci fi action movies could yeah. and should be. It's also wild to me that this movie came out around the same time as Aliens because Aliens came out yeah. I think in eighty six and so the fact that we get that one two punch of action sci fi in the eighties is like perfect. What yeah. a perfect one two punch. Yeah, absolutely. And and Aliens is a, is another like wonderfully perfect movie too and also really scary yeah aliens is also really scary um so yeah i'm a big scaredy cat uh that's that's what we've learned on scarred for life uh (laughs) no but i love that because i feel like with horror both horror filmmakers it's so easy to get jaded of being scared of things so it's nice i don't know why we like there's so many fellow horror filmmakers who are like oh that didn't scare me uh like i (laughs) I'm I'm like no, I want to go be scared. I want to get sucked. Me in. too. Oh, the worst is when they're like, I hate jump scares. I'm like, I love jump scares. I'm like, I want to go to the movie theater and like <laughs> jump around like a jumping bean. Like I like I, I don't want to be sat in my seat board. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Make, make me fucking jump, and I will love your movie. Exactly. <laughs> I love good jump scares. I yes. love good jump scares. Yeah. Honestly, even a cheap jump scare will make me laugh afterwards too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so it's it's that's that. I guess that's what I mean. It's like I I want to go feel visceral emotions. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not someone who gets like mad that they physically got me. I feel like, like genuinely. Oh yeah, never. I'm always like well played. Yeah. Well yeah. fucking played. Yeah. 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 Oh, you got me with the fucking cat again. You got me with the <laughs> cat the again. Cat. Like <laughs> always with the fucking cats. Always with the, with fuck- the fucking uh, cats. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mary Beth, when did you first see this movie? I'm curious. So, I first saw this movie. My dad showed it to me. It was like I think we did a double feature. It was so I saw my dad on the weekends, um, because children of child of divorce, etc. 
And he would rent, like, we would always rent horror movies. And I think we did an Alien one day, one weekend and Predator the next because Alien versus Predator was coming out and he wanted me to be caught up with everything. So he wanted to make sure, like, I knew what these movies were. Nice. And so I cannot remember which one we watched first for the life of me. I cannot remember which one we watched first. I do remember liking Alien better because I liked outer space stuff and the monster and, like, the monster. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think there was just way too many, like, very sweaty, muscly men <laughs> rolling around in the woods together. And I think I was, like, a little bit, as a young child, not quite understanding what was going, like, just, it's so homoerotic yeah. now when you watch it. I'm sorry. It's, you can't, no. it's just, like, the sweat beads dripping down people's chests <laughs> and, like, everyone's muscles are out and everyone is just, like, so wet and damp. And it's just... In, in oh. their defense, they were in, like... 100 degree weather oh, like it was no oh absolutely but it yeah. sat there and they made them look so wet and they're yeah. all so yeah. naked not naked but yeah. like bare <laughs> and it was just i think i was just like what no, the I, hell I mean is and the workout on? routine they were doing was insane they were getting up running an hour in the morning lifting weights shooting all day Running for another hour, lifting weights, eating dinner, go to bed. So yeah, there's there they was a reason. They were in boot camp. They were in yeah. boot camp. Yeah, they totally oh, were. Oh my god, I could not. Arnold's arms. I couldn't. I I I know. I felt very. I was like, I'm no better than a man. Objectifying these male bodies. I'm just like everyone is just very muscular, and it's very hard to not look at it. But when I first uh, saw yeah. this, I had a similar reaction of being like, what is, like, is this was another war movie my dad is showing me? But yeah. then it, it kicks up with, like, we get the heat vision. But it doesn't yep. kick in for almost an hour into the movies when we really yeah, it, see it's, it our really, Predator. Yeah, that's, like, one of the things that fascinates me about the movie. It's, like, I, I really do enjoy a good movie that, like, pivots like that. Like, it like it feels mm. like it's going to yeah. be one thing and it becomes another. Oh, uh, yeah. But I think... I think that first, that first like, uh, third of the movie is super important because, you know, it's basically saying like, these guys are the best of the best. They can kill right. human yeah. beings better than anyone can kill human beings. So that when the predator starts taking them out so easily, one by one by one, you really do get that like, oh, fuck, like, I thought they were the best. Like, this thing's the best. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it really, yeah. um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. You know, one thing about the title that I always thought was like an interesting thing is we started calling this creature the Predator, right? Like yeah. based on because of the title. But in the original marketing campaign, if you go back and you look at the movie, it was actually Arnold had to become the Predator to take this thing out. That was what the, the title originally was was leaning toward. Oh. And, and turning this thing into his prey, not the other way around. Um, but it's it's like it's just a funny like pop culture misnomer. It's kind of like um, Frankenstein's monster, you know. Uh, we we call it I Frankenstein, think I right? Knew that. Yeah. So anyway, just a small huh. little, little tidbit. Wait, so do they ever like give a name to the thing, like to the to the predator? Not, do we not ever movie, get- no. Uh-uh. Right. No, no, no. we do don't they... get any explanation like that, and I love it for it. Me oh, too. Absolutely. Like that's what I love movies like that, where it's just yeah. like we don't ha- we have maybe like a shot of it, like again, like a space, like what the opening scene is like a spaceship going going somewhere, and that's it. Yeah, and that's I it. love that. 
the te- yeah, and you just no, like you just get to know them the technology and it's just like you learn it like you're learning with the people and no, you don't get anything else you just know that this thing is big and scary and has some acid yeah. blood like green drippy blood and is really strong honestly like the 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 that's one of the things that bothers me about a lot of modern day genre filmmaking is uh executives are constantly asking us to explain more uh what is the law? What are the rules? How does this work? Why does it work? And it's like, okay, I understand you want to to know those things because you want to be able to tell your boss when they watch the movie and ask you this question. But like, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the movie. And sometimes no. it leaves you with, like, you can develop your own headcanon with it, you know? And, which I think was like why it was so fun when Predator 2 had the alien skull in their ship. It was like, oh my god, never in my wildest dreams would I have, you know, like, but if they had, like, outlined a bunch of rules at the beginning of the first movie, could they have done that still? I don't know, you know, like, but, but yeah. it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, if we over explain horror, I think it becomes, it becomes, if you can understand what's happening too much, it's not fun anymore. No, exactly. and actually, I kind of wish they didn't start with in space and they just left it. Yeah. Like when I was rewatching it last night, I was like, Ooh, I kind of, if I, if I was doing this, I kind of would just cut that off and not have that. And not give yeah. anyone any indication that there's something supernatural or something extraterrestrial hunting them. Because <laughs> it, for the, for the most part in the beginning, it's just, you know, men going on a rescue mission to, yeah. to save people. And you start to see little things that are weird, like that. And there's so that dramatic irony where it's like, Oh, we know that there's something in the forest with them, but they don't where you see like the, the bodies that have been skinned and everything. But like, I do love that it is sort of, we don't know what this is. We're learning as these people are being, <laughs> are learning and being killed off. Yeah. And I, I love that in a movie, that, that kind of mystery. And as you said, when it ends, you know, nothing more, you yeah. know, nothing no. about this, this creature. We just know that Arnold basically survived like with an inch of his life, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that, honestly, that's why that climax is so thrilling. Uh, the thing that I always seem to forget when I watch the movie, especially because that climax is so intense uh, is when it fades to black and then it fades up on sitcom credits. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I saw you tweeting about this last night and I literally made a note. telling me about this. I was dying. <laughs> I, I always forget. I always forget that like, it's like, and then like the funniest part about this, like other than the fact that it just exists in general is like, clearly they shot footage for this. They shot them like, all of the actors winking at the camera or like twisting with a flask. And then and then it cuts to Arnold and it's just a clip from the movie. Like 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 why didn't they get him to do that? Like he was like if you see all the behind the scenes photos of him on this movie, he's having a fucking ball. He's got like women draped all over him, he's got a cigar in every freaking photo. Like he's he's having a ball making this movie. Where's his funny little end credit thing? Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I don't. I don't know. Anyway, I literally want someone to like cut that to like Full House music it's, or something. It's, there. it's, it's like... on the internet. People were tweeting at me all night. Like, oh really? Like, oh, yeah. No, there's a bunch of them. There's there's Cheers. There's there's Full House. There's <laughs> Friends. There's it's great. There's so much good content. Like I that really encourage people to go find it because it's like. Uh, God bless the internet sometimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious because that, that literally I'm like I'm watching it and it ends with the, the sad trumpet playing and they're, you know, riding off into the, into the darkness. And I'm like, that's a good ending. And then all of a sudden it's like, 
Cheers. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny to me. Yeah. I just, no, I, I, but I mean, that's like the 80s, though. Yeah. Well, and like, it's also very 80s to have Arnold at the end, like, pose like this, like, America, fuck yeah. Even though Arnold is not American. I always love, I'm like, America, fuck yeah with Arnold, but Arnold is so obviously not, an, like, American. But he he's is. Very like, he adopted beca- American, yeah. Because he's yeah. so, it's like that, that hyper mask thing, of space, especially of, like, Reagan era, I'm getting political here with the Reagan era politics of this time like this movie is dripping in that hyper masculinity because oh, and yes. dripping is being used purposefully here uh-huh. <laughs> well and again like they're going to get the gorillas in the Central America like it has that yeah. such that 80s vibe of like yeah. hyper masculine figures going to save people and like ultimately winning and again there is still bleak in the fact that you know his entire squad gets absolutely decimated but that when he's just posing when the helicopter arrives after you see like the mushroom cloud in the back it's just oh, like i know hands on his hips yeah it's just, pretty it's pretty it's beautiful what i do love though and i don't know if this is intentional or not but like i i do think because I, I remember thinking about this movie again when prey came out last year and everyone was all up in arms about not everyone there is a certain contingent of the horror populace that was so up in arms that this young woman could go toe-to-toe with the predator or yeah. i don't even know what, the, what their name is uh that they gave the, to him yeah, post the, the movie but, yeah. but anyway <laughs> but what i think is interesting is watching this now and watching this movie it's not his strength that gets him in the end in fact it all of his all of these big beefy men are killed because they think that they're they're strong they can kill anything yeah. but it's only because of setting up traps and trying to outsmart the creature at yep. his own game that he's able to actually kill it and that's the same thing that happens in in, in prey. prey yeah but like but it's, it's it's not the fact that he's this big muscular guy it's the fact that he managed to discover that mud yeah. you know he's learning with the alien and able and trying to figure out ways to outsmart the alien at his own game and i think that that's something that is overlooked in this movie because it is filled with such huge bodybuilder f- physiques yeah yeah can I can I just tell you I absolutely loved and adored Prey. Like it was one of it's my so favorite movies from last year and I was so freaking lucky. I got to see it in like one of the what two or three theatrical screenings it had. Oh. oh jealous. Beyond oh, Fest had jealous. Beyond Fest had uh uh two screenings, two of them. Uh they had one in English and then one in uh the the dubbed uh, Comanche oh. uh, language, and it was one like hands down one of the best Beyond Fest screenings like I've ever been to. The crowd was insane. Like I could not have seen that movie under better circumstances. I left like on a cinematic high. Hell it was, yeah! It was oh, it was awesome. And, and I wish I wish more people had gotten to see it that way because that movie fucking <sighs> rocked on the big screen. I can fucking I'm, I'm jealous. I would have so loved to have seen it. That movie fucking would have loved rules. to see that. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's so good. So good. it understands what Predator is about and is able to yes. to redo it in a way that is fresh and unique. Yes. And yeah. I'm like, that is this is the kind of legacy sequel I want to see. Well, I guess it's technically a prequel, but right. No, I know. The only thing I couldn't believe it missed was in the original Predator. I loved like when when Billy kind of figured out what it was and what he was fighting. And he stops on the log to like turn around and face it and he cuts his chest and he's going to like go toe to toe with it. I wish there was some connective tissue to like, you know, the lore of the Native Americans like passing it down and like Billy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was, a, there was like a, there was something they could do there to like connect mm-hmm. that moment 
to prey. And I, 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 I kind of wished it was there more so than like the gun from Predator 2. The gun from but, 2. But, yeah. but, but whatever, you know, it's, you know, it's not what I'm going to make. Uh, but I really did, I really did like it. And, and I thought it was other than, other than that, other than me having my own head cannon, uh, it was, it was great. Uh, <laughs> This movie also has like a lot of really great one-liners that I just love. Oh my uh, it's God, just, yes, it's just full of them. I mean, that's like true of like a lot of '80s movies. It was everyone loved using those one-liners, and Arnold was kind of the king of saying them, right? Yeah. Like he just "I'll be back" or all of it. But his "You're one," what is it? "You're one ugly motherfucker." Oh. When, he, when he first takes, off, yeah, when the when the predator first takes off, like you have the mask and the reveal. I remember when I was younger, being so excited. Which we love by a that. reveal. I loved that. I was so excited. I'm like, oh my god, it's really creepy and i was like oh. that was very exciting to me but yeah you are one ugly motherfucker just shaking his yeah. head get to the chopper i mean <laughs> stick God. around stick around's a good one um, uh, I do have yeah, a, I, he's like killing all of them and, and giving giving quips as he like off some of the, the people in the, Sh- in the camp Black's it's just like, got some amazing uh jokes Jesse Ventura has some great ones. This movie has two governors in it, two United States True. governors. Uh, let's not forget that. Oh my god, it uh, does! Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So it's 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 a really it's a really special movie uh, <laughs> on so many levels. It's, it it is certainly an action movie from the eighties, and I love that so much about this movie. But well, it's also got sci-fi and it's got horror. It's like, it really is a movie that just like, it, it, it's it's the Venn diagram of my personality right there in the center. <laughs> I, I will also say though, remember how I talked, I, I was saying like, oh, it's so homoerotic and like everyone's, yeah. all the men are very hot. But also, yeah. so last year at my birthday, they put on Predator. I barely watched it, but they put Predator on the TV and yeah. all I could hear were a great deal of my female friends going, you know what? The predator is really hot. (laughs) And it has become now a joke to the point that my husband is drawing like fanfic of predator for our friend because she talks about how hot the predator is now. And now she's drawing. I mean, look, he's ripped. He's ripped. He's ripped. And it's just very prey. I Both know. in and out of costume. <laughs> that is hot. You know, you know that 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 design almost didn't make it in the movie, right? Like famously, oh really? Oh, no, really? I did not know I don't that. think I did actually know that. Yeah, no, there was there was a whole other design, and uh, like even the shape of the creature was different. A lot of the design oh. work that was originally going to be used and did not work and got thrown out actually ended up in Pumpkinhead. It had that like those, you know that the legs and pumpkin head. They tried oh. to do that in the jungle, and it did not work at all. Uh, <laughs> wow! So they shot. I, mean, I did know that they had Jean Claude initially as the predator. Yeah, yeah, he was in this like red suit. He looked like a giant lobster running around in the trees. Uh, and basically, what happened was they shot the whole movie, and they were they you know had cut a lot of it together, and the studio saw it, and they were like, "This movie really works." Except for this thing. So they gave them a bunch more money. Uh, Stan Winston came in and redesigned the entire creature. Uh, James Cameron gave him the idea for the mandibles. Uh, and away they went. Whoa! I did not yeah. know that. So good. Yeah. So that this movie almost did not work. This movie almost did not become part of popular culture. Uh, and also, I would just like to say that, like, 
Um, if I had to add more Venn diagram circles on it, it's like, you know, I said earlier I was a personal trainer, so it's like weightlifting goes in there. And then like also pro wrestling is another one of my hobbies. So it's like, like literally this movie has all yeah, of that Yeah, I was going to say, it's this everything. really is inc- incredible conflict, like convergence of yes, all of your this interests. Is, this is what uh, I would call a Joe Russo movie. Uh, <laughs> 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 like describe, describe your personality in one movie. Uh, <laughs> Predator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now that, okay, so the, the initial... The initial reason you were scared about this movie was because this was a creature that could kill the alien, which terrified your dad. Yes. Now that you've seen probably all of the aliens and, and probably most, if not all, the Predator movies, uh-huh. who would win? I'm curious. Oh, I still think Predator kills an alien. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I still I still think so. I still think so. I, 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 I you know, alien... The alien creatures are, are very hard to kill, and they're, and they're very dangerous, obviously. But, I mean, a Predator is just going to keep poking and prodding and finding a way to kill you eventually, right? I mean, if I remember correctly, I feel like it's been a long time since I've watched the Alien vs. Predator movies. I feel like the Predators are always kind of framed as the good guys to the aliens. They are. Right? I watched the uh, Alien vs. Predator recently because I yeah. love I love Alien vs. Predator. I nice. love the movie. Um, I don't care. It's great. But the Predators are always the good guy. I'm a big Paul W.S. Anderson apologist. So, I uh, am the biggest too. Paul W.S. Anderson apologist. <laughs> I love Paul W.S. Anderson with every fiber of my being. I, and that's one of the reasons why I love Alien vs. Awesome. That's I, I, I love you for that. Uh, yeah, no, I will uh, go go... Go to the mat for Mortal Kombat and Event Horizon and Death Race. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> See, and I, I grew up with, like, getting into comic books because of Alien and Predator and AVP. Like, I, somewhere, somewhere in my house, I have, like, a whole run of those Alien versus Predator comics and the yeah. Alien comics and the Predator comics. Oh, um, they, cool. they started making, like, books, um, with Alien lore. And I think they did a couple that were crossovers that I would, I would read constantly in the early 90s. But yeah, I, oh. that was, this, this movie and Alien are the reasons I got into enjoying comic books was because oh, I went awesome. to a comic book store and saw, the Alien versus Predator and the Alien comics and yeah. Predator, and I just oh, had to have shit. them. Oh, I don't think the I knew that. Came out way, the comics came way out, way before the, uh, the the movie did. Yeah, there's also a really great short film from like when I was like er, maybe late high school, early college, called Batman Dead End, uh, where Batman is in like a dark alley with the Joker, and then like at the end of it, like predators show up. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> I don't I know. Love, if it's I love properties that just like. Add another property at the end, like a horror yeah, property, yeah, especially. No, it's it's, like, yeah. Well, they even did a Batman versus Predator series. They did. did yeah. They really? so it was kind of a, yeah, it was a rip mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's so fucking it's, incredible. It's, yeah, it was a good short. I remember, like, it just blew my mind. So, yeah, you know, look, I, I, you know, if I had to to rank the Predator movies, it would probably be Predator. Prey and then Predator Two and then the other ones kind of maybe on an equal footing, uh, but but um, you know I think there's I think there's more good Predator movies than there are Alien movies. <gasps> oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> wow. All right. Really? I mean, you know, I honestly cannot have an opinion because I've only seen <laughs> Predator One, Two. And predators, 
Yeah. Uh, outside of like the AVP, the how first many, one, which I didn't yeah. care how for. Many, I mean, Predator look, movies I want to see Prey. Well, I mean, I guess there's the AVP movies, right? That's two there. Predator, Predator 2, Predators, The Predator, and Prey. The Predator, yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a lot of these movies. There are. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's also the Prometheuses and Alien Requiems. And look, I haven't uh, revisited those movies in a long time, so maybe I'd feel differently about them on, on second watch. But I was. Uh, you know, look at the first three Alien movies. That, that's that they're great. You know, <laughs> uh, I can. I'm glad I can you're including Alien there. Three in there because that is one that is derided an awful lot, and it has a very special place in my heart yeah. for multiple reasons. But but yeah, I, listen, I, I I think Prometheus is great. I think Prometheus is fantastic. Ooh, I got to I, I, so I give it another shot. I got to give it another shot. I I you know I think it was just one of those things where the hype was so so astronomical for me and it just didn't live mm-hmm. up to what I wanted oh, it to be. You know? okay. so it might have been just my own baggage. Uh but <laughs> I know it's been getting like a really big relook over the lot because it came I think it's ten this year, right? It turns ten? I think so. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and it's just it really? a bunch of people were talking about it recently because I think the the anniversary was uh, maybe 10. maybe I'll uh, I'll I'll watch it again and write something for Dread Central. Uh <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm around. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up and give us our rating out of five? I just want to say that my one of my favorite moments in this movie because it's just it's so it's so silly in in like retrospect, but like I remember watching it as a kid and being like, oh yeah, was when all of them decided to start open fire. (laughs) <laughs> they're just blindly firing and then yeah. losing all of their ammo and they're yeah. shooting at nothing. Yes. Like, <laughs> but like, that's, that's the thing. It's like, like you, it sets up the stage for why you should be so afraid of this thing. You know, mm-hmm. it does it beautifully. It does it as well as Dr. Loomis talking about how dark Michael Myers is, you know, like all of these action beats mm-hmm. set up the predator to be this amazing slasher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really you know and, and and the predator is stalking them, following them, look lurking. We're seeing from his point of view. Yeah, this movie borrows very liberally from from Halloween. Uh, but, but, yeah, but, it but, does. But, you're but right. Slasher doesn't right. Uh, so you know, ah, <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Yeah, and well, you you initially emailed and said, "I know Predator's not really a horror movie," and I was like, "Who ever said Predator wasn't a horror movie?" Like, I think- you're, like, there's like it's the same people who say Jaws isn't a horror movie, which they can piss well, off. They're just like <laughs> they wrong, objectively incorrect. You know what I mean? I, like what? No, I know. I but but it's it's like there's look I I because it's sci-fi because it's action. I think people try to. They try yeah. to take away. Look, people are always trying to take away from our genre. People are always mm-hmm. trying to relegate horror into the gut. I mean, it's like people who are like, well, Get Out is a thriller. It's like, no, Jordan Peele says it's a horror movie. It's a horror movie. Like, uh, it's so obvious when you watch it, it's a horror movie. But, you know, I mean, again, like people are always, people are trying to reclaim Sixth Sense or Silence of the Lamps. They're horror movies. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. 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 And I also think it's it's really tricky when we when we do like things that are in different genres because for some reason it seems like the vast majority of people want to know it's this genre or it's this genre. Yeah. And so when things 
blend in between there because this is action. This has horror. I would I would say that the first half of this movie is m- almost a horror movie because they're literally walking through and seeing things that shouldn't be skinned bodies. Like just the horror that they're yeah. seeing up until like the action points is like a mini horror movie. It yeah. is it is the it's it's the slasher bit before where it's like something creepy here, something's following yeah. us, yeah. and then it finally goes into the the final act of just all out brawls. But I, I I do think there's sometimes people are always like it has to go into this one idea of what I think horror is, and I think horror is Jason, and that's what I think horror is, right? It's right. like so anything right. that goes above above that, it's like oh no, that's actually a thriller because I like it. And I don't like horror. Right. You know what I mean? it's, no, it's yeah, I think I think, so that, weird. I think that happens all the time. But I'm I'm a big advocate of. Uh, you know, defending, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to this, uh, writers, horror, horror writers picket tomorrow. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Hell yeah. my, my sign is going to be Jaws as a horror movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to march around with that. I love when you, you had the Poltergeist, uh, Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist sign, <laughs> another article you wrote for Dread Central, but I, that's not right. To plug again, but love that too. <laughs> Put that in the, uh, the descriptors. Uh, um, <laughs> I um no I loved writing that article and thank you for the chance to do that because every time that comes up now I just send people that article uh to shut them up but but yeah Toby Hooper directed Paul guys the funniest part about that was Deadline Hollywood picked up that photo of me uh and put it on their like best sign page uh I'm like what a what a obscure like niche horror <laughs> argument that like went mainstream uh <laughs> i mean you know it's Incredible. funny because jaws is, is very similar to predator in that it is merging different genres together also as a kid i used to call the shark jaws yeah <laughs> so like the jaws yeah. predator you yeah. know absolutely little did you know his name was bruce after the lawyer uh, right exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh did you have anything else mary beth no, I think I, I'm ready for us to wrap this sucker up and give it a rating out of five. So, Terry, right. you're up first. How many yes. ugly motherfuckers out of five do you give Predator? Uh, you know, I, I'm not as big of a fan of this series as I am Alien. That's why I was like, what? No. <laughs> but um, I, I, think this, I, I think this is a really fantastic action, horror, sci-fi conglomeration of everything that is the 80s like this is the kind of movie that we'd get a ton of in the 80s that kind of crossing different genre lines and i love that um i think i I like that it is whether it means to or not is sort of kind of tearing down this idea of the alpha male because it's not his unique strength that that uh saves him in the end it's it's you know figuring out what the alien does and trying to outsmart it i i just i think it's a lot of fun i have a lot of nostalgia for this one too uh for me it's 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 four i'm gonna give it four Ugly motherfuckers out of five. What about you, Mary Beth? I'm also going to give it four. I just have a lot. Of, I have a fond memory of watch of both watching it when I was younger and then also my friends watching it and now it being a recurring joke in our friend group about the Predator being sexy. But that aside, it is such like a quintessential action horror sci-fi, like as we talked about the Venn diagram of Joe Russo, but it's like such a good <laughs> Venn diagram of like all of the things in the 80s that people liked in one movie it feels like and it's so 80s without feeling like it's not like maybe aesthetically super 80s but like the subject matter is very 80s and i kind of love that as like a cultural object and i just it's so homoerotic 
but not at all at the same time. And I do maybe wish it was gayer, so that's why I'm getting a four. <laughs> um, Joe, you have the final word. How many ugly motherfuckers out of five do you give Predator? Well, look, we've already, I think people already know what I'm going to give it because, uh, as we said, it is a, a quintessential Joe Russo movie. It is all of my interests combined. It terrified me. It stayed with me uh, as I grew up, and and it delighted me in different ways, from from being terrifying to being fun. It is a pop culture phenomenon uh, that is that is carried on for decades. Five ugly motherfuckers out of five ugly motherfuckers. Hell <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Joe, for joining us and talking about Predator. Where can the listeners find you? And what do you have coming up that you can share or talk about? Yeah, um, they can find me uh, on the social medias. Uh, I'm at Joe Russo Tweets on Twitters. And I'm at Joe Russo Graham on Instagram. And then they can hear me every other Wednesday on the Postmortem with Mick Garris podcast on the Dread Podcast Network. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with Predator? You can let us know by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, we do have a Patreon. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer And use your cap You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching There's a million playful ways Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.